Welcome to the Johns Hopkins University Press Podcast. I'm Mary Alice Yeski with the JHU Journals Division. Joining us today is Molly Robson. Molly is a researcher, writer, and photographer based in Wellington, Aotearoa, New Zealand. She recently completed her master's thesis at Victoria University of Wellington, which explored how listeners engaged with podcasting during the pandemic and sought to understand the effective dimensions of this fast-growing medium. Molly's paper, Intimacy in Isolation, Podcasting, Affect, and the Pandemic, was published in the latest issue of the journal Perspectives in Biology and Medicine. She is currently working for an environmental organization as an advisor in science and policy communication. Thank you so much for joining us today, Molly. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be here. The first question I like to ask all our guests, just to kind of get a little bit of background, is what is your academic origin story? So I'm from Auckland originally, um, and I moved to Wellington to go to uni with the intention of like getting a job, as most people do. Um, But of course, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And um, so I did a Bachelor of Arts, which is kind of like a general... um, critical arts degree I guess so I did film um, media and politics and I just remember um, being so captivated by the media studies courses and I really I felt really lucky to be able to just like sit there and think about ideas and debate ideas and discuss ideas and kind of unpack ideas and often they were like ideas that I had kind of considered common sense growing up and so like I kind of had that um, lots of epiphany moments in my in my undergrad, right? Um, also, just because of my age, I'm 25. I kind of have an interesting vantage point in terms of like um, being kind of on the cusp of Gen Z and millennial mm-hmm. from a media perspective. Just because the past decade has been like so transformative from a media studies perspective. Um, and like our media engagement has just like proliferated and complicated in so many different ways and so I was watching how like how these shifts were shaping kind of not only political and economic and social realities but also like my own reality like I was witnessing it in my own media engagement and um, I feel like yeah media studies was like such an applicable field for me because I could like use those tools to understand and map these shifts that were occurring in my own life. Um, So I was really grateful for that. And then podcasting, um, I was just all, I I was listening to podcasts since about 2015. So it was while I was studying. So I was an early-ish adopter, not like super early, but I definitely like rode the wave of the kind of podcast boom, I would say. And at this stage, I had just done like my postgrad in media studies, my honors degree, which is kind of like a more focused, specialized version of Mm -hmm. your undergrad. Um, And there were a few scholars like floating around researching podcasting um, and they were really good, good, but there wasn't like, there wasn't a wealth of research into podcasting. And when I read about these scholars doing work, I just knew I wanted to research it um, because I was like, this is going to blow up soon, I reckon. And, yeah. and it obviously did. Mm-hmm. Um, and as an, 
yeah, I, I just found that I was always listening to it while doing other tasks. And mm-hmm. I was like, there's something really interesting in that. It was kind of like giving rise to this concept of like living in media mm-hmm. as opposed to alongside it. Like I, um, and I, I was doing that with other media as well, but I feel like podcast was really like reflective of this like big shift that I was noticing in, mm-hmm. in my own media engagement as well. It must be so different as a scholar to be studying something that's part of your lived experience every day, as opposed to, you know, 19th century yeah. British literature or whatever. Um, I'm going to go a little bit of out of order, but I guess my, my other question is when you say early adopter of podcasts, the one, like many, many people, the first podcast I got into was Serial um, and because everybody was, but my youngest son was a newborn at the time. And I have this very, um, sentimental memory of listening to Serial, the first season of Serial, because, um, he would fall asleep every time I put it on. I think it was just like the mm. soothing, this soothing nature of it. And I would just sort of be bouncing. Yeah. And it's just, I find it hilarious that I listen to this like terrible story of murder in Baltimore <laughs> while my young child yeah. was sleeping on my breast. But it was really, that's that to me, it's it's tied. Like you said, doing something else while you're listening to me, cereal will always be tied to like those first few months of my son's life. And like how that was like a weird bonding <laughs> thing yeah. for us. But it's true. It connects to other parts of your life. It's not yeah. um, the removing. You go to the movie theater and you see a movie and that's so separate from your life. Um, along the same lines, your paper talks about um, the solitary nature of podcast listening. But I was struck because you mentioned when you were talking about how you got your participants that you sort of recruited them through Facebook groups um, that are made up of fans of specific shows or podcasting in general. Um, so my question is, do you think that fan communities online um, are kind of creating a real world or real world relationships that the um, parasocial relationships that you talk about, sort of just of the giving and receiving of the fans to the people producing the podcast? Do you think those fan communities are kind of filling in that gap and creating more um kind of a constant steady stream of, I don't want to use the word real, but just a more um, dynamic, Mm. dynamic communication. Mm. Um, Yeah, it's really interesting. I don't really know where I, where I fall on this one, because I think (laughs) that there are definitely like lots of um, intimacies kind of circulating in these communities. Mm. Um, There's definitely, um, yeah, so so my research was definitely more focused on like individual listening practices rather than like fandom cultures. Right. right. But I will say that within my interviews, <clears throat> um, I did ask about the groups of which, like from which I recruited lots of them. Mm-hmm. And there was kind of a reluctance to describe themselves as like being a part of that community. Um, mm. There was a sense of being, uh, being, you know, having shared interest, I guess, but, um, in terms of community, it wasn't very, uh, it was kind of illusory in a way. It was kind of like, um, I think it comes back to the solitary nature of podcast listening. Like sure. Mm-hmm. People were aware that others listened to the same content as them mm-hmm. and would engage in discussion about this content with them in these groups. Mm-hmm. But on the whole, there was kind of still the sense that they didn't know fellow members of the mm-hmm. podcast intimately at all. Um, so there was like kind of not a, at least in the groups that I recruited from there was not a sense of kind of um, 
mutual responsibility or reciprocity it was kind of these like avatars who were in the group that were discussing these things yeah and actually often in one of the groups in particular there would be a lot of conflict and drama and I think it was for that reason that people assumed that they would all get along or that they had this Mm. kind of connection because they listened to the same content but in fact there was not much else connecting them apart from this kind of Mm -hmm. community Mm -hmm. and I feel like obviously there are like lots of um much much deeper and much more meaningful like podcast communities um online Mm -hmm. um especially with people who are more like yeah like a part of that fan culture rather than just like discussion groups I think Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but um I in in my research I felt like there was kind of it was more about the feeling of community than the actual mm. community right, and lots right. of those digital communities. Um, there was an intimacy to them, but they were mediated in ways that that cannot ever like reproduce the dy- dynamics of kind of real world communities. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It yeah. does. And I'm thinking about it now that even though I, I wrote the question, now I'm thinking about it more and I'm thinking about the timing of it, how you you listen to a podcast and you have your sort of personal experience with it. And then after the fact, you're discussing it mm. with people. So you don't, you don't have like a listening party with people. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's really, it's, it's a this way thing. And then it's a this way thing. And it's not, um, it's something, I don't know. There's something, the timing of it is like, you have, you have to listen to it privately and then you can discuss it later. It's not like yeah. sitting at, like I, again, with the movie metaphor, it's not like you're sitting at home and you can pause it and discuss what's happening yeah. with your friends. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's interesting. I think it might be just exactly what you alluded to, which is the way that it's taken in is so solitary, mm. um, that it's hard to even grow from that because it is, um, yeah, it's a very sort of one-on-one experience. Even if you're listening to six people talk, you're the only other person on the other end of that. Yeah. Um, I did find, like, there were a few participants, actually, who, like, reported kind of deepening their relationships in real life through podcasting. Mm-hmm. So, like, having kind of, um, if, if a group of friends kind of listen to the same podcast mm-hmm. um, regularly and then they'd have kind of discussions about the content afterwards, it would kind of be like a kind of functioning as like a book club except for podcasts, right. right? Yeah. And I've, I've had, I have most of the podcasts I listened to were recommended from friends, mm. but I, but again, now that I'm t- thinking it through, we don't like listen and then discuss. It's just like, Hey, listen to this podcast. And then I'll say, yeah. Oh, this episode was hilarious. Did you hear it? Yes. And that's the end of the conversation. <laughs> we yeah. don't really go into it too, too much, but it's, but it's, yeah, maybe even almost like music, you know, it's like, this is a great song. Listen to this song. And yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So there are definitely like social elements to them. I don't think that they're entirely individualistic, but I just think, yeah, Yeah. a lot of the, even the technology like associated with podcasts, like, you know, wearable headphones are Mm -hmm. about like you yourself. Um, Yeah. The isolation booth nature of it. It's really interesting. Um, so one of the other things that your paper notes is how podcast hosts, their voices kind of become familiar and comforting to listeners. Um, mm-hmm. And as I thought on this and, and was listening to the podcast I listened to every weekend, I was thinking about the nature of the shows. Most of the ones I listen to have certain segments. So there's like mm-hmm. the introductory, introductory chat, and then there's the meat of it. And then there's, you know, X, Y, Z, and there tends to be sort of a rhythm to it. 
And so I was wondering if you had thought about that and if you think that that sort of um, the conversation having its own set of boundaries um, and the order of operations being familiar, if you think that's also sort of a comfort in that it's not just the voice and, oh, yes, it's, you know, Sarah, the host again, but it's also like, I know what's going to happen. And in, in, a, in a time and place in, in most people's lives where there's so many unknowns and anxieties to have that rhythm is really comforting. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think um, when it comes to media, there's just always comfort in anything that's kind of predictable and easy yeah. and non-threatening. And yeah. I feel like podcasts like allow you a lot of freedom to be able to choose kind of what you like mm-hmm. or find what you like um, and then, you know, listen and kind of serialize um, mm-hmm. installations like you describe. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, like you say, most most participants that I spoke to and even just most of my friends during the pandemic have described podcasters um, serving a deeply comforting function in that sense, in the sense mm-hmm. that it's kind of like um, predictable, um, low stakes, and also um, offering an element of kind of social engagement without any kind of like <laughs> sacrifice or effort yeah. involved. Yeah. Um, yeah and definitely during the crisis I feel like humans always reach for um I don't know reliability (laughs) reliability and comfort and like um non-threatening media engagement um that kind of lulls you into a a state where you feel safe and relaxed Mm -hmm. and understood yeah, yeah, is definitely important during crisis. <laughs> yeah, yeah so. and that's, again, just as an aside, one of the things I really enjoyed about your paper is because as I was reading, I was sort of, um, I, I kind of got to your one of your conclusion conclusions mm. before it happened, which I was like, but are we all just in our bubbles? And are we all just like listening? To things that make us, <laughs> like, that's a problem. And yes, that's a problem with like news media and other things. And then I really just loved how, where your paper went, which was kind of like, yes, we are, but we need to right now. <laughs> like we kind of, yeah. everyone needs that comfort and that's okay. Like it was sort of like, I felt like your paper in a strange way kind of gave me permission to just like, listen to the ones I like and not have to like get too far outside of my comfort zone right now. Cause that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think there's like huge value in like in like parasocial relationships, and there always has been. Like it has, mm-hmm. it's not a new phenomena. Um, yeah, especially when you can't be socially like proximate right. to other people. Like we yeah. have to feel kind of um, understood and heard and 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 social. We're social creatures, mm-hmm. and media just expands opportunities for that socialization to occur, even if it's not, even if it's one sided. Like it's right. still offers that kind of comfort that we um, use various media to kind of achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. One of the things that most of the podcasts that I listen to feature are um, segments where they're either answering listener questions or even mm-hmm. have like folks call in and ask questions um, or are reading things off of, you know, their Patreon or their Instagram or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that that is sort of getting more into a more, richer back and forth with the audience is that blurring the line of what's parasocial or is it the fact that it's being curated by the host still keeping it kind of you know they're picking what questions to answer do you know what I mean it's not like Mm. a lot it's not the same thing as a live call-in radio show by any means Mm. it's produced and edited so I guess my I'm wondering if you think that sort of gives the listeners the sense that they're participating even if it's 
quasi back you know not not entirely yeah yeah Yeah. I think it does I think like um segments like that work to enhance the intimacy of the conversation right and Mm -hmm. and I and I think that's also where the sense of community even if it's kind of um a mediated community and an Mm -hmm. imagined community in some ways like you don't really know the other members of the show uh, of the audience um I think that's where that comes in because you get a sense that other people are listening and engaging and um have the same fears and hopes and questions Mm -hmm. and inquiries that you do um but as but as you say I think it's still not entirely a genuine two-way friendship because it's still heavily like mediated and skewed by those dynamics um like the host still kind of has the power but but that's not again that's not to say it's a bad thing like I don't think there's so much value in parasocial intimacy um Mm -hmm. well yeah that's I mean that's why I don't listen to live call-in radio shows because I don't want to hear I don't want to hear people yell at each other (laughs) yeah yeah exactly enjoyable to me yeah, I exactly. Wanted, and yeah. that's a part of the pleasure that you described in, in, in hearing things that are predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's a sense that you know that firstly that the, the podcast hosts know that the um, audience members have actively chosen to tune into the show. Right. You know, there's no kind of forced listening mm-hmm. um, schedule. Yeah, secondly, um, the listeners tune into the show expecting a, a, a particular like um, structure of content in particular mm-hmm. or a particular topic to be discussed or even just a particular voice. And um, yeah, I think that that's a part of the transaction of the podcast mm-hmm. medium between host and listeners. There's kind of a, so maybe there is a mutual responsibility in a way, but it's just not in the same way as like right. a normal friendship would operate. But there right. is like a, a mutual care there or, a, or an understanding of some type of um, reciprocity. Yeah, it's just not on recipro- the same timeline. It's yeah. Not, it's not quite a tennis match. It's more like yeah. a chess match, maybe. Did your listening habits change during the onset of the pandemic? So I've always kind of been, yeah, ever since I started podcasts and like you, I, I started listening to Serial while working, um, you know, a boring admin job, nice, <laughs> tiny little office. And so yep. it's funny how you have this, that association with your, your child. And I have a completely different association <laughs> with, with the Serial. We were show, both but, trying um, to kill time though. So it's, yeah. <laughs> we were yeah. same, same objective. trying to make life more bearable. Exactly. Right? In an unbearable um, time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, I think that that actually highlights how my podcast listening has changed during the pandemic. Um, obviously, I was wasn't commuting as much. We had um, we had like a pretty significant lockdown last year, and mm-hmm. then um, and then life kind of went back to normal afterwards for mm-hmm. a little bit. And now we're back in lockdown, so it's yeah. been a bit of, a bit tumultuous. Um, but I think. I just noticed a tendency in myself to put on a podcast to kind of embellish all sorts of activities, Mm. like no matter how short, you know, doing my laundry or going for a walk or even like sometimes brushing my teeth or Mm -hmm. just getting ready in the morning, like Mm -hmm. immediately put on someone to talk to, um, Mm -hmm. someone to listen to. Um, But I also noticed that during the pandemic, um, 
especially during like the lockdowns here in New Zealand, I, yeah, had a real craving to listen to like, or kind of bear witness to that chemistry between um, friends. So like I, I became obsessed with a couple of podcasts that I just listened to all the time. And then I kind of felt like I was one of their friends. And so I, I guess I was using podcasts as a crutch to kind of fulfill social desires that I had um, caused by kind of the long-term social deprivation that was happening at that time. Um, When the pandemic, when the, when the lockdown started and your listening mm. habits sort of changed, were you in the mm. middle of podcast research at that point? And then you sort right. of shifted your focus or did this whole paper sort of come out of that? I guess it's sort of a, right. Where, where right. the chronology of it. The chronology. Yeah. It was interesting. So I, so I had been listening to podcasts for a couple of years and I just gotten back from traveling actually overseas. And I, was like yeah I'm gonna do my master's in podcasting and I kind of posed it to my supervisor and she was really on board and then um, I just started I think I was like three weeks in when COVID really took off um, Mm. and we were put into a lockdown. I knew that I wanted to study podcasting but I wasn't sure kind of what angle Um, and I had come across like affect theory and was really into that idea and um and then the pandemic happened and I was like planning my proposal and then I was like okay so I'm kind of looking at like the social effective texture of this medium like trying to understand why people use it and how they use it to fulfill various um emotional needs and then I was like, oh, I wonder kind of what the connection would be, how this shifts during crisis. And of course, I didn't really have much choice because I was conducting (laughs) all of my interviews on Zoom while most people were kind of just like grappling with the beginnings of the pandemic and like how scary it was at that time and stuff like that. Um, So, yeah, so it became kind of, it started off as like a, a study of the podcasting medium and the type of engagement it affords users and then it kind of inevitably became a study on how we use various media to cope in crisis Mm -hmm. and then I think I became hyper aware of my own podcasting engagement just because I was studying it all the time and so I was kind of analyzing myself well yeah (laughs) it's inevitable I think yeah (laughs) to a degree um Um, but it's it's a it's a really I just, I think it's a really great pivot, you know, I mean, everybody's Mm -hmm. had to shift in some ways, but I think to have, to be studying like, and it's like we said at the beginning, media studies is, is so here and now that it's, it's great Mm -hmm. to be able to research and document this as it's happening and not be, you know, hypothesizing about something or just reflecting on something that's already happened. I mean, it's, it's very, it's very immediate, which is really, I just find it really fascinating to read stuff that oh, I can I can like immediately think I'm like oh wow I, I really have listened to more, more podcasts just like you it's like yeah every, every second and I'm not alone I've got you know small humans yelling at me but yeah maybe for me it's more <laughs> of a it's a drowning out as opposed to like a, as opposed to like a filling the silence um oh definitely I, yeah, yeah I definitely notice it and in some of my other chapters which I which weren't um published in the journal but people kind of use them to 
either like mask certain scenarios so say you're like on the bus and you, and right. it's noisy and everyone's commuting and like you just want to be in your own little safe space people can yeah. use it to like mask things but also to fill the silence say before mm-hmm. bed or like drifting off to sleep or just like in the kitchen and you're feeling a bit lonely like there's so many different ways yeah that you can yeah. use them that you're you don't always intellectualize in the way that I am here, but that that kind of like, yeah. It's true though, because I think thinking about the ones I do listen to, a lot of them are definitely not uh, suitable for small ears. And so for me, it's like, it's a very kind of, it's my grown up listening time. You know, it's like, you know, it's like watching a, you know, a scary movie or something when your kids go to sleep. It's just, it's something that you reserve for your own time that. um, Totally that gives uh, exhausted mom some ownership of her <laughs> two hours at the yeah. end of the night. Yeah, yeah. sovereignty. Like, Yeah, thank you, that's a good word, sovereignty. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so I have to ask, what are your current favorite podcasts? What do you listen to? I've, I, I always love On Being with Krista Tippett, mm-hmm. um, especially like during the pandemic, it was just like such a, a gift. And yeah. then and then I, I've actually recently gotten into one called Binchtopia, and it's kind of a um, lighthearted um, sociological pop culture analysis with um, kind of a Gen Z twist, I guess, mm. between two friends. And yeah in terms of like chemistry and jokes and stuff like that and that social craving that I've been describing like that mm-hmm. kind of ticks all the boxes for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I'd say those two um are my biggest ones at the moment yeah on being um airs very at least here in Baltimore the radio show um oh, yeah it, airs very early on Sunday and it's it's very appropriate because it just feels very much like a little religious it feels like like a service almost you know it's just quiet is that the one early. that you is that the one that you listen to every well Sunday? yeah I, and I was saying oh, how, like on Sunday mornings like I, I frequently listen to podcasts in general but that one is actually on the radio here and it's um it's it really does kind of fulfill that that sort of ritual thing um, yeah I when I pull up the app on my phone you know you have the little pictures of the save the ones you save the ones you listen to and there's a couple that I just adored that have been canceled or ended and you still Mm -hmm. see the little the little icon on the on the thing and it it just Mm -hmm. I I part of me is like I just it makes me sad it's like looking at like a like an x or something that like you don't talk anymore I'm just like oh I miss them so much and I'm like part of me's been like I should just delete that so I don't look at it anymore but then it's it's truly it's like it's very much in terms of like what the beginning of your paper said it's like these are my friends and I'm like I'm like yeah deeply saddened by the image of their icon on my phone when I'm not getting any more yeah it is so sad you miss her yeah because suddenly you don't have access to that part of you know you can see her through other mediums like twitter or instagram but it's not quite it's not the same same as listening to them speak yeah i think uh yeah your point about it being almost a religious service in a way is really poignant because i think there is like something really ritualistic about um so much of our media engagement today in like an oversaturated world um and I think that also like there's something really comforting and human about like the amplified voice, whether that's mm. in a like religious sermon or a podcast or radio. Mm. Um, 
it's kind of a reminder of one another's like human humanity and oral testimonies and conversations and speeches and especially like on being every Sunday mm -hmm. capture kind of yeah emotional textures that the written word can't and and they're affecting if you if you have them if you incorporate them into a part of your rituals and they can actually be like uh profoundly comforting in the way that a religious service can be as well yeah, yeah even like, if you're, you're half listening I mean it's just like yeah the, and I was thinking about it too like and there's some where you know I like sing along to the theme song and I like yeah say, I say the sign off when they say the sign you, you know what they're yeah. gonna say like it's like it is yeah. it's very much it's like a call and response almost so it does it does feel that way um, and like even you saying that you you know li listening to serial which is quite like grim content matter right and like yeah and so many, so many podcasts are, I mean, like the rise of like true crime podcasts yeah. and how popular they are, like how bizarre that we all find that sort of content comforting, even mm -hmm. when it's like so objectively grim. I think it just speaks to the power of like sound and, and, and mm -hmm. predictability and ritual in our media engagement and how even when it's something that can be like quite unsettling or is meant to scare you or, mm -hmm. or you know examines like the darkest parts of human, human right. beings it, it's still comforting yeah and, and like it, you were saying like the like the texture of it when it's done in that in that way where it's it's in it's in pieces and there's that music kind of comes in and out and they're sort mm. of ask, asking the rhetorical question at the beginning and just the way mm. it's the way it's gets served um if you just read the story of you know this terrible crime it would just be an unpleasant read but it's mm. it's it's the medium really mm. it develops it in such a way that it becomes mm. something different altogether um, yeah and it becomes a part of your ritual a part of your, mm -hmm. like how you function you know mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> my last question is you did mention that uh chapters so that leads to my next question which is is this paper mm. part of a larger book or what are you currently researching and working on now what's next for you um so yeah so this this research paper was a part of my master's thesis um which was on yeah podcasting affect and um intimacy and isolation in the pandemic kind mm -hmm. of thing um so this was like one of the chapters of three that I did ah. for that course I still have not received my grades back for it <laughs> so <laughs> so if my mark is listening then I hope <laughs> working on Hopefully this um, will get you an extra, extra couple points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting patiently, but um, no, so I finished that in about April of this mm -hmm. year. And um, since then I've been taking a break from uni. I've been studying for about seven years now. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I decided to take a break and I've been working for an environmental organization as a communications advisor. And, oh, cool. um, and so I'm waiting to get my marks back and then I think I'll decide what I'm going to do next. Yeah. Um, yeah. After having a bit of space from academia for a while, nice. but I do miss it. I, I miss it already. Just yeah. even this conversation is like, yeah. Firing those 
brain circuits that I haven't thought about in a while. Thinking of other questions that you need to ask. It takes seven years to answer. Um, Well, excellent. Thank you so much for your time today. This was such a great conversation. And um, like I mentioned to you, we will um, post the link to your paper in the show write-up so everyone can read it. It's going to be freed up for months so everyone will have access to it. And again, just thank you so much. This was a delight. Oh, thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed it. It was a pleasure. This podcast is a production of Johns Hopkins University Press. For more information, please visit press.jhu.edu slash journals.